Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Loneliness is grief distended. Jill Lepore, writing for The New Yorker, is speaking. Plenty of people like to be alone. I myself love to be alone, she continues, but solitude and seclusion, which are the things I love, are different from loneliness, which is a thing I hate. We hunger for intimacy, she continues. We wither without it. Loneliness is a state of profound distress. In the United States before the 20th century, only about one in 20 people lived alone. Now, one in four people lives alone. Rat radio, TV, and the internet all made it possible, though some would say that Facebook monetized loneliness. So-called professional opinions are all over the place. Some say the success of social media was a product of the epidemic of loneliness. Some say it was a contributor to it. Some say it's the remedy for it. Everyone agrees, though, that there's an epidemic of loneliness, and it's only getting worse. Even before the pandemic, more than three out of five adults in the United States were either mostly lonely or always lonely. Loneliness takes a physical toll. It can make us feel colder than those around us. It can increase our blood pressure and cholesterol. It degrades our immune system. It makes us anxious and disrupts our sleep. And it has a nasty way of leading us to addictive, self-destructive behaviors. Its effects on our health have been compared to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. John Cacioppo, known as Dr. Loneliness, explains that in order to survive, primates need to belong to an intimate social group. This is especially true for humans, since historically, humans we don't know might very well kill us. To this day, being separated from your people, either finding yourself alone or finding yourself with those who don't know and understand you, triggers a fight-or-flight response. John Cacioppo explains that your body reads being alone as being with strangers, as being an emergency. Over millennia, this hypervigilance in response to isolation became embedded in our nervous system to produce the anxiety we associate with loneliness. We act fearful, defensive, and self-involved, all of which drive away people who might actually want to help us and tend to stop us from the very thing that would end our loneliness, 
reaching out to others. Another tragedy of loneliness is that lonely people can't see that lots of people feel the same way they do. Many years ago, Unitarian Universalist theologian Dr. Tandeka spent an evening with members of a church who were interested in starting a program of small group gatherings in which people would meet regularly to share deeply on different topics as a spiritual practice. At some point, she asked them if they might be willing to talk about their unmet needs for community. Dr. Tandeka writes, one of the most respected elders of the church stood up and slowly walked to the front of the assembly, faced them, and said he was interested in joining such a group. He had wanted something like this for years because he was lonely. He concluded, I do not have any friends. Waves of shock rolled through the room. How could he be lonely? He was a revered and beloved member of the congregation, a pillar of the church. He spoke again. Every man in this room who is my age knows what I'm talking about. Our social upbringing taught us not to talk about our feelings. We are not supposed to be emotionally vulnerable or close to anyone. Vivek Murthy, the US Surgeon General from 2014 to 2017, wrote a book called Together, The Healing Power of Human Connections in a Sometimes Lonely World. I was deeply touched by an interview he gave on the Greater Good podcast of the University of California at Berkeley. He himself was a very shy and lonely child. He dreaded going to school. He dreaded the cafeteria and the playground. And to make it worse, he felt shame about his loneliness. And somehow he thought he was the only one. And then he became a doctor. He says, I wasn't prepared to see so many patients who would come in alone and at critical moments when we had to have a really tough conversation with them about a new diagnosis or about a treatment decision. I would ask, is there somebody you'd like to call? And they would say, you know, I wish there were, but there's nobody. I was seeing a profound problem, he says, but did not have the tools to know how to respond to it or how to help. And that felt bad. And so Vivek Murthy created an inoculation against loneliness, just this, a quick conversation with someone, anyone, about something for which they feel grateful, a gratitude practice. He asked the person to tell him a few things for which they're grateful, to share some points of light. It's quick, five minutes even, and Dr. Murthy tries to simply listen and be fully present. What's really striking to me is number one, he says, I just feel better about the world, having the chance to focus on what's positive. Hearing what's going on well and going on in their lives makes me feel better. And number two, I'm struck by how little time it takes. I think we might assume that if we really want to have positive interactions, we have to put like a whole hour aside to have a really thoughtful conversation. 
just being fully present with somebody for a few minutes, we can actually stretch time. We can make five minutes feel like 30 minutes when we're both fully there. It's really the quality rather than the quantity of time you spend with people. My mood lifts, he continues. I feel less weighed down by the challenges I'm dealing with, even though the challenges haven't changed at all. I have more physical energy as well, and I notice that these positive effects last for many hours afterwards, and I look forward to the next conversation. The takeaway, reaching out to others, healing loneliness, doesn't have to be complicated. Here are some more ideas. Greet strangers. Get over the mask, say hello, and smile at people with your eyes. It's amazing that this helps, but it does. If you're a dog person or a baby person, say hello to their dog or their baby. Call a friend. If you can't think of a friend to call, choose someone who regularly comments on your Facebook or Instagram posts and ask them if you could call them just to say hello. Chat someone in our Zoom room right now and ask if they'd like to chat by phone this week. Call them. Then put it on your schedule and call them again. Join someone for a walk. One of my most extroverted friends noticed which neighbors were out walking and when. And one by one, she timed her walks to coincide. And as she just happened to be out at the same time, she greeted them by asking if she could join them for a few minutes. No one said no. She now has one hour walk scheduled throughout the week with something like 10 different neighbors. She says it's saving her. She also reached out to the daughter of a friend who has kids who are going to school online and offered to help. She now spends an hour a week walking with her friend's granddaughter, a high school student, talking current events and politics. Join your local mutual aid society. For this past year, we've been delivering meals to people who were laid low by the pandemic. One guy on our route had already been housebound after a terrible construction accident. His only face-to-face -face or mask-to-mask -mask interactions are with us. Slowly but surely, instead of ring and run, I began ringing, leaving his meal, standing a safe distance back, and chatting with him when he came to the door. We started with the weather. He's a big fan of all kinds of weather. Now we're talking seed catalogs. He's working hard with a physical therapist on his goal to get out of the house this spring. He's completely delightful. And when I go on my way, I feel his delight lightening my heart. Take on your boredom. Loneliness and social isolation are made worse by boredom. After escaping into books, film, and TV, try to choose something to do that has a social aspect to it. If you like to sing, Arlington Street sings together every Sunday and every other Thursday evening. And you can go online to see if your favorite musicians are hosting virtual concerts. A friend who decided this is as good a time as any to learn ukulele, if not now, when, 
watched some YouTube instructional videos, but realized it would be much more fun to join a class. Her instructor is approaching 100 years old. In the first class, they learn to play the iconic, how much is that doggy in the window? It's utterly nerdy. She's having a blast, and she's not lonely. And finally, let us never underestimate the power of Zoom. I spend hours every week in the Arlington Street Zoom room. It occupies a huge, beautiful place in my days. I have it on good authority that there were those of you who not so long ago would have said no thank you to poetry, who are now the first with your virtual hands up to share a new poem that you found. Some of you who thought you could never sit still or quiet your mind enough to meditate wouldn't dream of missing our meditation gatherings. Whether or not you share a weekly tea party is not the point. Join in for the companionship, the tenderness, and the hilarity. There is absolutely no reason to be lonely when we can visit ASCBoston.org, the beloved community is a simple click of a link away. Actually, I want to toss in one more idea, one more stay against loneliness. I was inspired by co columnist Thomas Farragher's story in last Sunday's Globe, sorry, last Saturday's Globe. The deadline, the dateline is Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Here's his story. An icy darkness tightens its grip as we sit huddled under a tall, snow-crusted pine tree and a single skinny birch. It's freezing, but there is heat here and light. The heat comes from metallic propane heat lamps and a fire pit that have melted the snow in Nancy Clayburg's slick driveway. The light comes from the lively conversation among these friends and neighbors wearing down jackets and colorful scarves who have fashioned something strong and enduring and comforting. It's a sort of COVID salon that has rescued a few precious commodities from this deadly pandemic's merciless grip. Friendship, fellowship, a determination that disease cannot destroy the sturdy bounds that bind us. Ernie Gleanslade lives, uh, lives nearby. He's become a driveway regular. I'm an extrovert, he says, to be able to have this opportunity to get together, to talk face to face with my neighbors. I mean, it's a lifesaver. His breath is visible in the air. At first, it was a place to gather and grieve. Nancy Clayburgh's husband died on May 1st. Nancy, Portsmouth's former mayor, says, people would call me to express their sympathy. I would say, why don't you come over and visit me? We can sit in the driveway. And so it began. They visited all summer and into the fall. And so it continued into the cold winter, Chairs, tables laden with food, coolers full of soda and beer, neighbors and friends and friends of friends offering support and love. Todd Bohannon, whose fiance grew up two houses away, says, the act of sitting in a driveway is a little abnormal, but the social interaction feels normal, the catching up with each other about what's going on. And what about when this is all over? We joke about that, he says, we say, hey, we're still going to sit in Nancy's driveway, right? Because now we're all so connected to each other. We want COVID to go away. 
but we don't want this connection to go away. Beloved spiritual companions, may we choose to end loneliness. Share your gratitude. Greet strangers. Call a friend. Join someone for a walk. Give mutual aid. End boredom with something social. Zoom. Create a driveway salon. To close in honor of Lawrence Ferlinghetti, these few lines from American beat poet Allen Ginsberg's song. The weight of the world is love. Under the burden of solitude, under the burden of dissatisfaction, the weight, the weight we carry is love. Who can deny? In dreams it touches the body, in thought constructs a miracle, in imagination anguishes till born. The burden of life is love. But we carry the weight wearily, and so must rest in the arms of love at last. Must rest in the arms of love. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. Again, the words of Allen Ginsberg. The weight of the world is love. Under the burden of solitude, under the burden of dissatisfaction, the weight, the weight we carry is love. Who can deny in dreams it touches the body, in thought constructs a miracle, in imagination anguishes till born. The burden of life is love, but we carry the weight wearily, and so must rest in the arms of love. At last, must rest in the arms of love. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.